0: Give like go. The podcast platform of the Finobalist by Léopold Lambert. Today, politics of street objects. 2001 chairs of Cairo with Manar Mursi. Hello everyone, today my guest is uh, Manah Morsi, who is uh, an architect, a designer and artist and the uh, founder and director of Studio Meme uh, in Cairo. And uh, today we will talk about one particular project uh, that uh, she's uh, still currently working on and starting in 2010 and, uh, and that will soon uh, be collected in a book, uh, a work she's been doing with uh, David Puig. Uh, about the chairs of Cairo, the sidewalk, sidewalk salon uh, of Cairo. Uh, hello, Manor. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me uh, today, uh, in, um, in the almost the last days of, uh, of this uh, archipelago trip in the Levant and, and Egypt. Um, so maybe before we talk about those incredible uh, chairs of Cairo, could you maybe describe a little bit what your work uh, is about at, uh, with uh, Studio Meme?
1: Um, so Studio Meme is a, a multidisciplinary studio that I founded in 2011 here in Cairo. Um, I work on different uh, research and design based uh, projects, a lot of them are uh, collaborations. Um, I recently worked on uh, the Wonder Box project, which was a public art um, installation with the Mahatot uh, Collective, um, and it was uh, it was a box that revived like the Rari or Peep Show box tradition um, in the streets of Cairo, um, with uh, public performances uh, over the course of a, of a month. I've collaborated with Cluster on their passageways. Uh, project um, I recently worked on a competition for Afghanistan and I also do uh, commercial architecture so I, I'm designing some houses currently um, in Kuwait so
0: yes um, and so we, we will really take all the time we need to talk about this uh, sidewalk uh, salon project that uh, that uh, by the way will be the object of our crowdfunding campaign very very soon so if if this conversa- if you like this conversation, then you you should probably go check out the, the campaign as well, um, and uh, and so yeah, we will take all the time we need to talk about it. So maybe we should start with the beginning, which is uh, maybe where did this project come from? Is This inventory of of uh, of those chairs of Cairo and and their and their various technicians that we we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Uh, Throughout this conversation, where 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 did this idea come from?
1: Um, so I think for me, like the seeds of this uh, project were sort of planted in my mind um, maybe uh, a long time back in 2007 when I was in Princeton. I spent um, a summer at uh, in Beirut, and I was working on. Um, a project with Arhis and Volume on uh, lack of public space in Beirut, and we we're trying to propose different strategies there. And uh, you know, some of us started to uh, observe the, the plastic chairs that, and, and um, that um, that are these kind of mobile uh, elements or, or, or nodes in the city that create their own little. Uh, Colonies of 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 space or public space um, on the sidewalk, and so I was already thinking about uh, about this idea of like what the chair can. Can tell about the city, um, and so back in Cairo uh, after I came back in 2009 and, or 10, um, and David and I met, and and we were already uh, doing a lot of walks. We like to uh, walk regularly um, around the city, and on uh, one of the walks, like we started to notice the creativity of the design of the actual chairs, and then my uh, my. I lived in a, in a rented apartment, and my Baweb's chair had this uh, skin. Or Baweb is dormant um, in Egypt, or concierge, or I don't know. Um, he does multiple tasks, also spying uh, <laughs> for the government is, is one of those tasks sometimes. But he had uh, like a carton on his uh, chair, and it would change skin regularly, because when the carton would wear out, um, he, he needed another layer, and so we'd get pizza boxes or uh, water bottle boxes. And so I was very intrigued by this beautiful thing that was always uh, there to greet me. But at the same time, the person uh, of the chair was very intimidating uh, to me because he would blackmail me uh, regularly as a single woman who lives uh, alone in Cairo. Um, and uh, that, you know it's it's not very common here and he would try to manipulate me um, because he knew things about me Um, and so this feeling of like uh, fear and intimidation and and the fact that he knew such intimate details of of my life but somehow that this object represented that um, and i had also an admiration for it as a design object all of those things started to really brew in my head and, and make me want to look at, um, at these material kind of uh, objects that are in the sidewalk and what they uh, tell us about the city. And so David and I were doing a walk on Por Said Avenue, um, which straddles the city from north to south, um, and we started to notice uh, those chairs together and photograph them. And at first, we did some photos with like a digital camera, but we felt... They were too glossy and they didn't really uh, portray, um, the aesthetically or at least, um, the kind of dusty, unkempt nature of, of these chairs. But we also wanted to be able to have a conversation with the owners of the chairs when we took the photographs. Um, and so we felt the Polaroid uh, format kind of lent itself to uh, the possibility of having a conversation about the photos and the chairs and what we were doing and it was an interactive exchange uh, using the polaroid camera so that's how it started mm-hmm. yeah
0: and uh, to go back to the to these white chairs that you were talking about in beirut um, and uh, i mean we're we're talking about this monoblock uh, plastic chair uh, uh that I, I did a little bit of research before we we, we talked Today and uh, also uh, also based on small indication given by uh, Brendan Cornier uh, about them, it's like I, I read that when when they were first produced, they costed about sixty sixty dollars uh, per unit. But they were so massively produced that at the end in the end they were they were costing only three dollars a piece. So I mean you get this incredible decrease of, of cost uh, for just an absolute massive distribution of this object, and that that I think we could legitimately call the, one of the most global objects that populate our, our environment i mean we see we see these white monoblock plastic chairs absolutely everywhere yeah and in every kind of situation i mean I was I was saying that uh, one of the one uh, a few that I took in pictures uh, uh, earlier during this trip was on the Dalier of, of Beirut and like just on, on on a rock with people getting their tea on, on just a piece of rock in the sea. Uh, so, I mean, you really find them in every kind of situation. And in Cairo, you find really a tremendous amount of them in the, all those little streets of downtown and uh, historic Cairo uh, where somehow, the, I mean, that's something we talked a little bit about uh, with a cluster, uh, uh, how somehow it claims a territory by by um, a territory of the cafes, for example, and and it uses its temporary occupation I and mean, the fact that we can move it very very easily to actually be able to claim a little bit of territory and create a sort of sociality, a sociality that's not completely innocent, uh, because uh, as a, as a, Omar uh, Nagati was was pointing out uh, um, uh, maybe the population of a given cafe is, is not completely uh, just anyone like it, for example if we I mean we will talk about the gender aspect of, of of this problem of the sidewalk but I mean the population in cafes tends to be mostly male I think in in Cairo so I mean the I guess this occupation is not completely innocent so I don't know maybe maybe we could we could start talking a little bit about that about what, what does that mean to actually create a, spacious, a space of sociality on the sidewalk without forgetting that sociality is not just something, uh, uh, it's not just a, a notion uh, that needs to be unquestioned. We need to question who, who gets to have access to the sociality, I suppose. Could, could you tell us a little bit about all that?
1: Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, when you were talking about the the chairs, the monoblock being packed and unpacked, we kind of uh, talked about this um, in the book, both in our essay and um, like we we talked about it as, as a kind of undulation or rhythm of folding and unfolding um, on the on the sidewalk and. We also have a series, um, because the book is organized in these kind of um, families of chairs or thematic groupings, and we have a series of piles um, that show this kind of stacked uh, situation or position uh, or moment. Um, But um, in terms of who gets to socialize and and, uh, who are the... I mean, um, uh, we also in in the book talk about Cairo as being a city that's uh, sort of like a, a Russian doll where the more intimate and interior uh, elements are, are the more kind of feminine uh, elements of, of the city um, and um, and the cafes though you know in in the kind of uh, more affluent neighborhoods uh, you now see women um, sitting in these uh, outdoor ahwa cafes but yes like you said they're they're more typically uh, a masculine territory and it's a space for people to socialize outside of the house because it's not really it's kind of taboo to maybe um, in the more popular neighborhoods to host uh, just your male friends at home uh, when your wife is, is, is there the, the home is really a domestic uh, female kind of uh, territory but at the same time um, in my work in Studio Neme it's taken me uh, to, to different neighborhoods and also this project and one of the neighbourhoods that I worked in a lot is in the outskirts of, uh, of Cairo. It's called Um Khamen. It's kind of a village um, in the south of the city. Um, and it's been, you know, sucked into uh, the urban agglomeration, but uh, it still has ca- some kind of dynamics of a, of a village um, in some ways. And in, in this neighbourhood, it's very feminine, actually, uh, the sidewalk and the outdoor uh, public spaces. Uh, when you walk, uh, you'll find women sitting on, 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 on the steps of their home because in Egypt, the typical kind of seating structure before the chair became uh, this mass produced chair kind of penetrated uh, the city um, was the dikka or this bench, uh, or, and now it's equivalent in, in the urban architecture. Um, or the peri-urban architecture is the cement uh, thing that's integrated into, uh, into the building uh, building's exterior. And so you'll find women sitting on these benches or on these steps that are also, as we say in the essay, like the amphitheater, the mini amphitheater of each uh, thing where the women sit and watch uh, what's happening while their husbands are out in the fields or or working? And they're peeling vegetables. They're sitting with their babies. They're breastfeeding. They're gossiping. They're talking, and it's it's very feminine. And in in the more urban equivalent, the more intimate zones of the city, like in the Hara, before they used to lock it up. The baweb was uh, was actually the guard of the of that little alleyway or of that neighborhood, um, and this. These kind of intimate uh, neighborhoods or zones where women feel like they're comfortable and they're not anonymous and they know everyone that lives around them, those zones are also uh, more feminine. Um, but in the bigger kind of avenues and the more commercial uh, spaces, there, there it's much more male dominant. And once you step outside of um, of your comfort kind of zone where everybody knows you, that's where uh, you can be. At, you know, attacked as a woman. Um, I, a friend of ours who lives here in downtown says that she, you know, a lot of people uh, would say, oh, you live in downtown, like, aren't you worried about harassment and blah, blah, blah. And she says that in her, just in her street and the streets around, like, she has no fear whatsoever because everybody knows her and everyone would want to protect her. But if she just crosses into another block uh, in downtown where she's anonymous, that's where it's 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 not um, as safe, um, and so yeah, so it's it's very different kind of uh, gradations or tones of of um, of how uh, women occupy uh, the, sp- the spaces of the city, the public spaces of the city, or the sidewalks.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that drives that drives us maybe where uh, I should have started, which is maybe to even question what is. What is this action of sitting in the city, which seems very uh, uh, obvious, like that? But w- what does that mean? And I think the fact of, uh, of I mean, what you describe actually uh, addresses addresses it uh, very clearly in, in the fact that it crea- it's it's a sort of uh, it's a sort of expression of a territory. I mean, not a territory in the sense of a, of a defensive. Uh, uh, Territory, as in, as in, uh, this is my territory, not yours. But more, what is, uh, what is our familiar, uh, what is a familiar space of our of our of our city, uh, and 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 this goes in opposition to the fluxes of the city and and the fact that uh, many times uh, and maybe in in Western city more than anywhere else, the the the. Fluxes of cars, of, of goods, of uh, of money as well uh, are 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 very much favored within the public space than than any any kind of sedentary action that like like sitting would be. I mean, sitting is highly unproductive for as far as as far as capitalism is concerned, right? So somehow somehow sit. Yeah, what, what, is, what, is, what does that mean for you to, to be sitting in the city? I suppose I, I was giving my own interpretation right now, but uh, I think it's not... As, as obvious as it is, it's not actually... it's far from being innocent.
1: There's, there's so many uh, different meanings to it here um, in Cairo. Um, and and, and um, I mean, you know, from the different characters that you find, uh, like there's a lot of guards Policemen that spent hours and you know of their day just sitting there and 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 waiting—it's like a, a waiting game. Like you're sitting on in a sedentary, mm-hmm. uh, immobile kind of uh, position for twelve hours yeah. a day for. Twelve years of your life, um, and, um, and
0: maybe to to describe the situation to the to the listeners. I mean, I'm sure even much more so since uh, July two thousand thirteen, right? Like the the police and military presence in Cairo has been has been substantially yeah increased, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yes, and um, uh, so so I mean, there's there's. There's that sort of waiting for hours uh, kind of position, but also shopkeepers um, mm-hmm. that have their chairs outside of their of their shops and use it as, as kind of resting. Even Nagib Mahfouz uh, describes... Uh, this shopkeeper um, in one of his novels that that kind of falls asleep uh, waiting in the chairs uh, in his chair uh, for customers and a fly like wakes him up or his uh, the neighboring shopkeepers playfully uh, uh, you know uh, provoke him but. Um, um, Like uh, other than 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 that layer, there's also people who uh, use the ahwa as a place for like uh, a a silent kind of meditation. Like in the in the craziness of the city, you'll find someone inhaling uh, a shisha and sitting alone uh, to have their moment of uh, of 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 being alone, uh, away from family, from the from the pressure of of the city. Um, And there's lots of of men that you see uh, doing this throughout, even at six. Uh, A.M. in Ramadan uh, when the fasting months, uh, uh, we live near uh, an ahwa that kind of uses the 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 shutters of the door like uh, it's half closed, and you can only see the feet of these men that need their little uh, dose of uh, of alone shisha time before they go off to their jobs uh, early in the morning, and so. Um, it's also a recluse in that sense Um, so um, yeah there's different characters and and, and different players and I guess the economic structure of the city has allowed like a a huge flood of informal uh, you know jobs and and things that occupy the sidewalk space and that's why also you have uh, you know uh, lots of different characters and players that occupied the sidewalk.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're continuing uh, unfolding all those aspects of, uh, of your work uh, around the chairs. And, um, and we have uh, several chapters that will, that will come up. But I think, I think one aspect uh, of your work has been also centered on the idea of surveillance. Uh, and I guess it, it goes back a little bit to what you were describing uh, in the entrance of your of your building. But could could you maybe tell us a little bit more about this dimension of of the chair in Cairo? Um,
1: yes. So. Um Another story that I sort of uh, like to tell when I when I talk about about this is, is this plumber that the same by Webb that uh, I was talking about uh, brought for me one day. Like, it wasn't the typical plumber that I used, but I had guests coming over and I needed to fix uh, something in my bathroom. And this plumber uh, knew everything about me. He was like, oh, uh, aren't you an architect? Uh, doesn't your father live in Kuwait? Uh, and so I was like, oh, really? How, how do you know that? And he's like, well, I sit... Uh, outside of my shop at the end of the road, I see you every day. And, you know, as if that meant that, you know, somehow the, all my information transpires, um, sort of magically walking uh, past him, but it sort of made me think of this kind of like, you know, uh, relay race or uh, where the baton of gossip is passed from like one chair Um, to the next and and it's one of the questions that we always asked um, in the interviews and, you know, it's a a way of also acquiring power uh, when you have this knowledge um, about... About uh, those people that are passing by, like uh, as my Web used it very kind of directly um, by blackmailing, but uh, it, it gives that kind of sense of power. So you're an active actor, even though you're sedentary and you're sitting and you're immobile, but you're actually uh, an actor in the scene of the sidewalk because you're engaging by seeing and knowing what's going on around you. Um, and this also idea of power and surveillance and um, comes from the, the chair, an uh, ayat kursi, the, the, the ayah of, of in the Quran of the, the chair, um, and it's one of the most uh, you know uh, you know pro- prominent ayahs in, in the in the Quran, where it's the position of power. God is all knowing because He's in the chair that sees everything else. Uh, And so knowledge and power comes from that vertical command of being able to survey and see everything. And similarly, um, as I mentioned to you earlier uh, when we were talking before the recording, um, this idea of the pharaonic chair um, and the the hieroglyphic symbol of power being the pharaoh sitting on a chair. Um, And so uh, it it commands these kind of vertical uh, relationships, the, the chair... Um, in in this context, and still today, like uh, you know, the word Kursi has that connotation of the throne um, as well. And, and we saw this kind of uh, political um, symbol um, or graffiti thing of, of, of a chair uh, all over the city, and it's uh, photographed um, and documented in the book. And um, it, it really has a very prominent, like, power surveillance uh, dynamic, yeah. Mm-hmm
0: um well you 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 mentioned uh right before the the interviews you're doing with uh, the honor of the chair, which is uh, uh kind of a, a funny idea when you when you first uh think of it and then and then uh, probably uh as you were saying maybe doing polaroid also allows the the time of the time of printing of the photos of developing the photos that that where you can maybe talk with the, the others yeah, so yes. somehow it, it, it creates a time of sociality here as well and um, and maybe I, I'd like to hear you a little bit more about, about those interviews and in particular maybe uh, the, the one you were telling me about when we were preparing this conversation about this, uh, this uh, old tailor on the top of the uh, top, top yeah. square
1: Yeah, um, so the interviews ranged with Different, uh, like food sellers, uh, guards, uh, doormen, uh, or just cafe uh, goers, or um, uh, people that were sitting in um, in this in in Tahrir. Um, but one of uh, the characters that I, I mentioned to you, or or the, the people that that uh, one of the people that we met in Tahrir was um, this tailor, um, and he basically rented out chairs to people uh, during the sit-ins. Um, he rents them out for five pounds, a chair, and you can use the chair for however many hours uh, you want it. And he uh, kind of, uh, in his day-to-day as a tailor, but he rented those chairs from a firasha. A firasha is, I would say, like a party uh, planning kind of uh, thing or, of sorts uh, in the city, um, they rent out these kind of metal, uh, very resistant uh, sort of chairs for all sorts of occasions, from funerals to uh, weddings. Um, and those chairs, you'll see that if you see a, ch- a bunch of chairs uh, on the sidewalk outside of a building, you know, either somebody died or someone's gonna get married, or uh, because mm. sometimes apartments are not big enough to host those uh, larger events, so you refer to. The to rent those chairs. So uh, Khamis, the tailor, uh, was renting the chairs from the Farasha and then renting them out um, in Tahrir Square to uh, to different people who were sitting in. Um, and, and
0: just to be clear, we're talking after the revolution, right? And, yes. And, and it's, I think it's quite interesting in how the 18 days of the revolution were were uh, a sort of eternal beginning of something, and whatever that happened after was already a sort of a, a repetition, and so maybe a micro-economy could be created uh, uh, created on it, like like people were now used to see people in Thailand Square, and so could think, like, oh, what about if I rented chairs to those people, right? Exactly,
1: so, yeah. Um, this was in July uh, 2013. But I think this, this comes, like, inherently somehow uh, you know here in Egypt like on the bridges people like to the bridges are some of the the, the, the nicest points in the cities and in, in the city to see the Nile mm. uh, they have a very nice uh, vantage point because otherwise all over the city uh, the Corniche is very privatized mm. other than Manian, uh really there's really very few spaces where you can occupy the the Corniche uh, on the Nile except for the bridges um, and so uh, Egyptians like to, you know, just romantic couples you see on the bridges and that sort of thing. And so naturally there's chair, uh, there's guys renting chairs uh, to people that want to come and have a seat on, 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 the, on the bridges. And they, uh, they cycle in uh, this cart uh, with chairs in the afternoon because that's the peak time, like around a few hours before sunset. And then they start renting out uh, those chairs, um, and it's the same sort of, like, uh, logic, or it's, it's natural to, un, you know, in, in, by extension, mm-hmm. that there are so many people in Tahrir, so they need to sit, so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Do, you, do you have any other uh, interesting interviews that you could tell us about? Oh, so, so yeah. many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, one or two, maybe.
1: Um, well, there's one that we uh, David and I uh, we call him the, the, the philosopher. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's in uh, Ahmed Tashmet. Uh, so he's the guard of the Russian Airlines um, uh, office. He's been doing this job for uh, I don't know twenty years. Um, and uh, you know, we were asking him about like what is the most you know provocative memory or thing because you've spent. So many hours here you 've seen so many different things. I mean we asked this question to many people and um, and for him it was he said, "I see it every morning uh, it's, it's, it's this woman who, uh, who feeds these uh, stray cats and uh, her humanity like her connection with these uh, creatures that can 't communicate um, really like uh, you know touches me every every morning of, of my day that she's able to to sit down and, and stoop to the ground and, and feed these uh, these animals and uh, and as sitting here I start to think about dust and you know and I see the dust of the city and I think we're stepping on other people because we're made out of dust and he really had this like uh, very you know um, you know philosophical uh, perspective uh, on things that was very and he was—he—he he appears in the video of our, our campaign, his voice at least, and he's talking about the salty fish or maitef siq sharbat. Egyptians know how to make, uh, you know, salty—the water of this like salty rotten fish that we eat um, in Easter into sharbat, or uh, the, this very sweet drink, and the resourcefulness that we can turn uh, the pants into Bermuda pants or shorts, and that's what. You know the chairs are. He had these amazing kind of like metaphors. He was very uh, poetic, and um, and it was very very nice uh, conversation uh, with him. It was one of the very first uh, conversations, like long uh, interviews that we had. Um, and then there was also uh, Hamad from Dar es that works on constructing pool tables because pool tables are very common on the streets of Cairo as well as. Um, um, Table tennis uh, tables—they're—they're very uh, common uh, kind of uh, things that you see um, all over the city, Um, and so um, so he constructs pool tables, and he was telling us that he uh, met his wife um, on the sidewalk, Um, like uh, you know, he he started to talk to her and provoke her and uh, like or I don't know uh, how how it started, but. and, uh, yeah, um, I guess there was also this uh, woman in Tahrir who was so full of hope, and all she wanted was, you know, 400 pounds, like, as a subsidy uh, after the, 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 the June, June 30th uh, events, and she was optimistic that it was going to happen now, and she just needs this 400 pounds, and it was very, like... Uh, and. Uh, moving conversation also. Um, um, Yeah. Uh, Also, it it was interesting to see how we tried to ask the gender question kind of indirectly. So we would ask like, uh, so do do women also sit with you uh, or do you ever, uh, you know, have uh, female guests? Um, And, you know, these two guys were like, no, no, we never sit uh, with women. And then... um, this other guy intercepts in the conversation who also works in the building adjacent and he says how how, do you, how are you saying that Like, doesn't uh, Ummah Muhammad the Bawab's wife isn't she always sitting with you guys like what are you guys talking about and there's this sort of like shame and pride that you know like no and they're like no she doesn't sit with us they're oh sometimes she puts her chair out there but we don't sit with her <laughs> um, or there are guys that were like oh yeah we do we just call out at them when they passed by, so yeah, it was it was also interesting to see how people uh, talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
0: So one one final dimension that I'd like to uh, to talk about today is um, maybe the most fascinating uh, dimension for, for designers, and I mean we already talked about the the monoblock the block chair and and how uh, it's it's a sort of invisible genius. Design in, in in how simple it is, how cheap it managed to get, and how it's able to like uh, uh, pile up, uh, pile up one on another, and, and work this way. But so uh, part of part of the the work and part of the inventory that you've been doing uh, is really showing something uh, uh, really unique, which is. Uh, I mean which which gives a unique status to every chair that you've been encountering, for that matter, it's uh, reparation. So the, the chair would like lose lose a lose a foot or lose two fo- two feet or or somehow just get damaged in some way, and instead of instead of like throwing it away, we maybe hy- hy- hybridize it with a, with another chair, maybe one in metal, so you, you have this really incredible. Uh, mixtures of of materials and uh, two chairs, three chairs together uh, uh, and, and so you, you have an, in the book you have a, you have an important inventory of, of all those images um, and of those uh, all those uh, sort of prosthetics uh, uh, that that have been had throughout throughout the time. Uh, could you maybe tell us more about that? Because I mean, I, I, from a designer point of view, it's it's really it's it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, the, it is. It the, is really. Uh, <laughs> it's,
1: it, it is really uh, fascinating the things that uh, that people come up with and how also the some of the strategies to fix the chairs. Kind of uh, you see, like there is a horizontal like. Uh, Um, relationship on the sidewalk where the strategies are also passed on from one chair to the other. So this idea, for example, of using like a little block uh, from the sidewalk paving as an artificial leg when the chair loses its leg, uh, you see this variation um, from Shubra to, I don't know, New Cairo to whatever, like you just like, it's like this also this appropriation of the whole sidewalk with what it has, even down to the actual paving like that you would unpave it to make the leg of your chair to fix the leg of uh, of your chair um but but in terms of um of design like we feel like um, you know that this sidewalk is like the of cairo are the biggest open air kind of chair museum uh where you see like the monoblock with this like this kind of typical ahwa chair which also piles uh, really well and is very cheap and, uh, Mass produced uh, in Egypt. One, right? No, this one uh, right oh, here—the so wood, the, yeah. wood one. It's uh, it's uh, from a Belgian uh, actual actually uh, designer, um, and it became very common uh, in the early twentieth uh, century Egypt, um, and it's all over uh, the city, and it also piles very well. Um, so, um, but there there are those hybrids, uh, like you said, and um, you know. There's so many different techniques of of putting one chair into another chair and sometimes three or four chairs or chairs that are made from scratch uh, out of uh, different things or pieces that they find. And um, uh, one guy had this amazing uh, chair that had a lock uh, or like a locker in the bottom parts of the chair where he stores all of his tools. So the chair is kind of like mobile workshop. Um, and it has his tools and uh, like his 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 presence, his body, his uh, his seating. Um, so there th- there were really yeah fascinating uh, fascinating designs and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, Manar, thank you so much for uh, talking to me today about this uh, this work. And uh, I invite uh, everyone who's listening uh, to this uh, conversation on on. Uh, other platforms and uh, the Archipelago website itself to, to go see the page so, because we'll, we'll add a lot of pictures uh, with it and to, to, to be able to pre, pre, uh, pre-buy the books as part of this uh, crowdfunding Indigo campaign. Google. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Manar.
1: Thank you so much. Yes.